welcome to the On The Record podcast. I am Austin and I am joined by my co-host Kimberly. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. All right. So the Student Spin podcast is a sister media to the Six Mile Post newspaper at Georgia Highlands College in Rome, Georgia. The views on this podcast do not represent those of the Six Mile Post or Georgia Highlands College. Today's On The Record podcast is brought to you by your very own GHC student support services. In case you weren't already aware, they provide free academic, career, and personal counseling. Today, we have joining us on the podcast, Dr. Jessica Lindbergh. Dr. Lindbergh is currently the interim dean of the School for Humanities and works in GHC's Department of Humanities. Dr. Lindbergh, we are excited to have you on here today, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us again, and uh, I guess we can start in with some questions. So uh, tell us about yourself and what you do here at Georgia Highlands. Well, I am the interim dean of humanities, which means that um, I supervise, uh, for lack of a better word, the English department, art department, communication, music, Spanish, journalism, and film. I don't think I've left anybody. Oh, and graphic design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. So all the people in those departments, all the students who are in those classes, you know, everything from figuring out what classes we need to offer to um, helping solve problems as they come up. It's a lot of moving pieces, but it's also like it's fun stuff mm-hmm. like film. For example, our film chair, Seth Ingram, just drove back in from the Nashville Film Festival yesterday. And this is like part of his job is <laughs> to go to those, you know, so like making sure those things happen and keeping up with them and figuring out how we can um, how Georgia Highlands College can plug into that world. But tell us a bit about your education, going through college and receiving your bachelor's at Earlham to earning your PhD at Georgia State. Earlham is a tiny little school that not many people have heard of. And it's also in Indiana, which is not a state I would recommend. <laughs> when I, um, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do with my life um, out of high school. And I was not, I was kind of an average student. I wasn't really that great. Um, but I had always really been passionate about writing and I made this horrible mistake, which is when, first of all, I didn't really apply to very many places. So when Earlham said, we'll take you, I was like, great, get out of the South. And I wanted to try to get out of the South. I realized later that was about getting away from my parents, not getting out of the South. But, um, I, so I go to the school And I thought to myself, okay, the one thing I love more than anything else is writing and reading. So I'm going to protect that by not majoring in it, which just doesn't make any sense (laughs) whatsoever. So I wound up majoring in Spanish. Really? Yes. I had no idea. I majored in Spanish primarily because I went to Spain. So I lived for um, in Spain for about a year. Uh, And by the time I was done, I was like, Oh, Spanish is going to be easy. Let me yeah. just make sure in that real quick. <laughs> yeah, I, was looking, I was looking through the credentials and everything. I saw the Spanish at, at Earl and I was like, wow, that's, a, that's an interesting motive. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Did you have any impactful experiences while you were going through college or even before that when it came to like, your current career? Well, going to Spain. And Spain. I mean, that, I mean that, was, that was, it's a life-changing thing. Any kind of study abroad, and I highly, highly recommend that and, and try to encourage it as much as possible. Was yes. that what you were doing as a study abroad program? Or? It was a study abroad program, um, but we lived with people. We didn't, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like I wasn't with other college students. I was in family houses and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And um, it was really life-changing, not just because of that, but just like the 
opening your mind to the whole world outside of America, you know, uh, and, and looking at things from that global perspective, I think has stayed with me in lots of ways. I know we have talked before about getting your PhD and what you went through. Yeah. That. And I know yeah. that's a story in and of itself. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, um, I, I was, I don't know, I was in my mid-30s before I decided what I wanted to be when I grew up. You know, I tried lots and lots of different things, and I just really didn't know. And I think that's true of a lot of college students, because, you know, you may have only worked one job in your whole life, and how are you supposed to know what all the options are, you know? So, um, when I moved to Rome, which was in 2000, with my husband. And I had been doing some other things. Um, But when I came to Rome, my intention was to continue a catering business that I had started. And I was at a party where I didn't know very many people. And I was catering this party. And the people, um, one of the people there was talking about how, you know, they really enjoyed my food, all of that kind of stuff. And I said, well, I'm going to be sad to leave this clientele. Um, But I'm moving to Rome. And he said, oh, that's really interesting are you going to continue to do this in Rome? And I said, yeah, I'm planning on doing it out of my house in Rome. And he said, well, actually, I'm the director of the health department for Rome and Floyd County, and you can't do that. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to try to figure out something else to do with my life, because apparently I'm not doing this. So um, that didn't work out. But I met John Hershey, who um, is my predecessor uh, here as the Dean of Humanities. And he said, you know, I came to a poetry, couple of poetry readings and he said, you know, you could, you could do this. You could see what you could do with this. So he was the one who got me here. Yeah. So I'm guessing when you first got here, what was your first position here at Highland? What did you start off with? I was a student tutor. I enrolled in Georgia Highlands mm-hmm. because even though I had a, a bachelor's degree, because I wanted to go to grad school and I felt like I had imposter syndrome because I hadn't gotten a major in English. I felt like everybody in the room in grad school, like grad school is big, important, super smart people (laughs) who use really big words. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to cut it with them if I don't know this stuff. So I enrolled at Georgia Highlands to take every single English class we offered so that I could then go to grad school and be like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So it was during then that I worked as a student tutor. How did you become a professor and what do you enjoy about teaching at the college level? I moved into the classroom from the tutorial center in 2009 under Linnell Daniel, who was the, we didn't have deans at that point. We just had um, chairs or directors. Uh, and she was um, the person who was over English. And she said, it's time for you to move to the classroom. And I said, no, I'm not ready. I'm scared. It's going to be scary. And she said, no, it's time for you to move to the classroom. And that was great because I needed that push. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, as soon as I got in there, I was like, oh, this is this is it. This is the thing I've been looking for for a long time. So, yeah, I love it. I love it. Do you run or interact with any clubs here at DHC? I saw a video on YouTube where you had like a poetry reading. I saw it was like a, a video of you talking about your son's video game and like Minecraft and like. Gosh, I don't like remember that. it. That was, that was 2013. God, was that from DHC? Yep. Oh, wow. 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 Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. There was a time where, yeah, I like to, I like to do a little bit of this, a little mm-hmm. bit of that. There was a time where I was hosting and running um, poetry readings from outside poets who would come and, and, and read their work. 
Uh, and um, Old Red Kimono, I've always been involved with them. When I was that year, I was at GHC. I was the editor of the Old Red Kimono, uh, and that stuck with me. Um, the Creative Writing Club, you know, various things. I'm on the, I'm the faculty advisor for SGA. How would you compare your teaching style now compared to when you first started teaching? I think I'm more relaxed now. What was scary to me in the beginning was the idea that I was responsible for like dumping all of this knowledge into my students' heads. And like, if they didn't get it, that was my fault. Um, And I really felt that weight. And when I stopped, so I was like fighting really hard, you know, and lots of quizzes and really strict and stuff like that. And when I figured out, no, they're going to get it if it's interesting. If they want to get it, then they're going to get it. And all I need to do is, is show them why they want to get it. You know? um, and once I figured that out, I could relax a little bit. Yeah. Cause I've had a class where, you know, they just throw tons of quizzes at you and others that I have, I had five quizzes the entire semester. So yeah, if somebody's really into it, it makes it a lot easier, especially when you have a good professor. I love that. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. discussions when you can generate those kinds mm-hmm. of discussions and you lose track of time in the classroom mm-hmm. and everybody's really engaged and you may be talking about something related to English, but you may not be. Mm-hmm. But that's part of the full college experience. Where else in your life do you get to have those really intense conversations? Right. This is where it's supposed to happen. Right. You know? I had a creative writing class, too. When that, it was like neuro poetry and long stories stuff like that. It was really interesting to be able to like expand on like my writing and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's a really interesting class to actually take. Uh, I wrote a huge story that I was really proud of and got to like work with other people and collaborate with their poems and stuff like that. So I definitely recommend any type any type of creative writing work with that you do and stuff like that. It's it's amazing. So if anybody out there wants to try creative writing, definitely shoot for it if you're an aspiring, aspiring writer, don't you figure writing, that's a great opportunity. It is. It's a no prereqs class. Mm-hmm. You can show up at any time and um, with any kind of background. And I think we're gonna try to have one class on every campus next semester. So I want to circle back just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because I know when you got your PhD yeah, you said you drove back and forth to Georgia State. Georgia State. So it took forever. And I wasn't, it wasn't just the PhD. I got mm-hmm. the MFA first, the okay. Master of Fine Arts. And then I moved into the PhD program. And there were some lonely nights driving back and forth. Because it's not just, I mean, you're driving back and forth, but the program that I was in is a very traditional program. So it's nothing online. And the people who were in the program, are mostly Atlantis people and they're also for the most part they were 20 years younger than me and so that was lonely you know um but I I spent a lot of time just sitting in my car in the parking deck <laughs> you know just being like oh, I don't want to go in no you had kids at the time too correct? I did yeah yeah I still have those kids yes yeah. <laughs> I just mean I think I'll, I'll, some of our listeners will be listeners will be able to relate to the fact that because um, I know some of us especially me because I've got four kids and that decision to pursue something that you're passionate about weighed against how is this going to affect them right right, right the how mommy guilt work? Mm-hmm. the so. mommy guilt was huge and that was a big big factor um, and I am really lucky that I have a really, really supportive partner who was like, you know, you're going to, this is worth it. Because I would come home and be like, 
this is not worth it. This is not worth it. John Hershey's going to give me a job no matter what I do. You know, what am I doing this for? And then John Hershey would say this, and my husband would say this, you're doing this for you, and it's really important to finish. And I knew I needed to finish. I have three boys. I wanted to demonstrate that I could be something other than mommy mm-hmm. and, you know, somebody other than cook and cleaner. I wanted to do something different. So, yeah. And you definitely work behind that love for writing and stuff like that. So what made you what what made you pursue writing? What was the spark that started your passion for writing and poetry? I don't remember. People have asked me that question before, mm-hmm. and you hear that question. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just always liked it. So, it, I mean, there wasn't like a time when I was three when I was like, oh, I'm overjoyed by writing. It's just, it's just always been part of who I am and my nature, reading and writing. Yeah. So do you recommend any specific books or poems for our listeners? Um, well, I recommend that people sign up for Poetry Daily and just get, you know, a poem a day. And some of them are crap and some of them are brilliant and some of them you think about for the rest of your life. <laughs> but you never know what you're yeah. going to get. Um, a book. I don't know about a book. Um, I'll tell you the most recent book I read that I absolutely loved. The Love Songs of W.E.B. Du Bois by Honoree Jeffers. Uh, I think it was an Oprah book, but she's got been nominated for several other awards. She's from Georgia, um, and it's a really, really fascinating story. It's a novel, really beautifully written, highly recommend. What would you say makes a great writer? Maybe there's someone who wants to take that step and try to become one, but they're not confident enough in themselves. What would you say to them to get them over that step? Read, mm-hmm. read, 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 read what you love, but read anything. Figure out what your voice is um, through reading in the same way that, um, and I say this sometimes in my classes, in the same way that you can't be a great chef without tasting the food and trying lots of different foods, you have to read lots of things to figure out what you want to write or what kind of writer you want to be. And it just, I think it just kind of seeps down into your pores. You understand better how language works and how phrases fit together and what works and what doesn't. And kind of develop your own style. Right. Yeah, it's been a, there's a lot of styles this week that we learned because right now I'm taking a class with this highway. It's a communication class. So I haven't typed like an actual essay in like a year and a half. Yeah. And so it's going to it's gonna be interesting when I have to go back into that type of world because I've written news stories when I work at the radio station and, you know, the Daily Tribune and stuff like that. So it's been interesting to see that kind of contrast between actual, like, essays to writing stories about a local um, town hall meeting. So, yeah, yeah it's a, there's so many types of, it's it's fun being a writer, but it's also a great learning experience. You have your up and down days, but yeah, it's a... And the other thing about it, Austin, is that in a lot of ways we're all writers. Like anyone who is in a professional field, the people, you know, you talk to the people in the STEM program who are the deans and the chairs and everything. What they do all day is write. We're all writing all the time because, you know, the emails and the articulation agreements or memorandums of understanding or, you know, all of those kinds of documents. We write a lot. So everybody's a writer. We just don't know it yet. We have thoroughly enjoyed interviewing you. <laughs> it's been great. Yeah, good, good, that. good. But, uh, thank you so much, Dr. Lindbergh, for joining us. You've been a great guest, and thank you so much. Thank you. Good, thanks. Right. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. And, uh, we'll see you in two weeks. All right, see you guys later. Thank you so much.